The Man War Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the yogis and yonis, to the woo-woos and the wahoos. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome. This week on the show, we got on a, I'm not even sure how exactly how to phrase it, but I guess a, a somatic sexual healer, someone who practices sonic sex healing, Megwin White. She'll tell you what she does. She can do it way better than I do. Um, I'm very excited to share her with y'all in a bit. We're talking a lot about connectivity and energy. This is a woo-woo heavy episode, and I like to think that I was pretty damn mature about it all. In fact, we talked so much about energy and connectivity, then I ended up going that night to a sex party where I had, you know, an odd... Like, I was in... I didn't move more than three feet, and yet I found myself in, like, four or five different sexual configurations, like two of them were threesomes, and yet I was connected to none of it. Like, I should, by all objective standards, be incredibly turned on and excited about the fact that I am sharing the sexual space with these two chicks, one of whom I'd had a, I'd had a crush on for maybe like a, about a year. I should have been in, uh, overjoyed, and yet I wasn't feeling much of anything. If I I am face deep in a vulva, I should feel somewhat connected to something. Doesn't even necessarily have to be her, but I should be tapped into some kind of sexual energy. And yet I found myself, instead of like excitedly eating pussy, I found myself just licking a vulva. All right. uh, It's been a while since I've read an advice email, I feel like. I, I, I might be mistaken, but I think the last one was the puke dick girl. Remember her? Well, this one's a little less graphic. Uh, This one comes from Emily. Uh, She writes, Good morning, Billy. I found you through Keith and the girl and love you and the Man Whore podcast. Maybe you can help me. I recently started dating somebody that I liked so much that I was willing to try polyamory. Now, I love poly and your podcast has really helped. I agree with you that the ethical slut chapter on jealousy should be mandatory reading for everyone. My main issue is, I love my primary. He says he loves me, but my primary doesn't have enough time for me. And the other girlfriends agree. They want more time too. I I wish it were like two to four people, because we could share then. But it's like more than six main girlfriends, and there's more. Which I assume means like, he's got the six girlfriends plus people he's fucking i want at least three days a week and more texting but that's not an option i can fill my dance card with pussy and dick but when all my holes are filled he is the one who fills my heart oh do you have any advice should i just be patient i feel like we could be having a deeper connection which he says he wants but how can we do that if there's no time thank you billy 
oh, and here's some lewds because I think that's your favorite currency. And she sent, uh, you, you know, that's a very cute butt and some very pretty nips. She also sent a, a picture where she's got these just beautiful blue eyes. Just what a you 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 fan whores are just a bunch of hotties. Okay, I love y'all so much. But but also wow, like what a life to have to have six or more main girlfriends and lovers on top of that to boot. I'm exhausted just hearing about it. Uh, th- this guy must be the most gorgeous, charming motherfucker out there. I'm. Not going to make too many assumptions about him yet, but Emily, what I would say is beware the poly imposter. You know, you know who I'm talking about. That suave dude with great hair who could lead a few dozen kids into a murder orgy cult. He's woke, he's sex positive, and he's got a gluten allergy, which you think humbles him. Uh, but, but make sure your guy's not a player masquerading as poly, is all I'm saying, because that's like a thing. And that goes for men and women. Men aren't the only ones who do it, but there are a good chunk of men who do. I'm, I'm just saying having more than six romantic relationships is like elite varsity level poly. And I honestly don't think one person can truly juggle that many plus casual sexual partners unless some of those people are like long distance. That's just a red flag to me. I mean, honey, are you sure he is your boyfriend? Is he? Does he think he is your boyfriend? Have y'all defined what that means? Again, I don't know how long you two have been together or anything about him, but ultimately you have to decide what you are or aren't willing to put up with. You could always de-escalate the relationship to something more sensible. Like a boyfriend you emotionally commit to needs to be able to give you a certain amount of attention and time, but a casual sex partner who you'll, who you let yourself rev back on with the emotions, maybe two or three sex dates a month is plenty. The only caveat there is only do that. If you're honestly going to pull back emotionally, otherwise you're just giving him pussy when you still want more and he'll be justified for it because you agreed. Uh, And thank you for the nudes. Cold hard cash is still my favorite currency. But yeah, you know, I do still accept nudes in the DMs um, from from y'all ladies. And fellas, you're allowed to send me nudes. It just you got to write my name on it. That's because that's the only way I'm going to be really interested in looking at your dick. Um, And if you want to send me, you know, a comment, a question, photographias as they say in the Espanol, uh, you can send me an email uh, at manwhorepod at gmail.com. And I feel like this is something a lot of people can relate to. So if like, if you are relating to Emily, if you want to share what you've uh, maybe some, some solutions you found and how to manage uh, a, a ton of, a, a ton of partners also hit me up. I'll share it. I'll, you know, hopefully I can share that with Emily as well. Okay. Uh, before we get to my guest this week, Megwin, let's do the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay, real quickly, this is the part of the podcast where I like to thank some of the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Um, and right now I want to say thank you to Crystal Morse. You know, you, 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 you pledged and then you were gone so soon. You should come back and, you know, get your name on my body. But hey, I appreciate the support while I had it. Uh, thank you so much to Paul Dorfman. You know, I, I looked up Dorfman, just the name, and it literally translates to village man, 
So I just think a, a Village People tribute band is in your future, dude. Uh, you know, you pick if you want to be the cop, the Native American, whoever. Uh, the sailor seems to be popular. Uh, shout out to Alex Ambrose, who I hear is a Pepsi gal. I hope you're enjoying uh, being part of the community now. And I want to give a thank you to Brian Tosh. You're a very good boy. And you're behaving yourself quite well in the peep show. Proud of you. Uh, and one more time again, you too can become a member of our fan community for as little as $2 a month. Uh, become a member today at patreon.com slash man podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash man podcast. And now for this week's guest, Megwin White. I, you know, this was great in that I came in with literally no expectations, I discovered her via uh, the Brooklyn Sex Expo's uh, speaker list. I, you know, I just took a look at who was speaking, and she was talking about something called sonic sex. And in all my my slutty times, in my five and a half years doing this show, I've never heard this term before. I had no idea what that is. It sounds like I don't know, maybe just like you know, when it's it, it, sonic sex to me sounds like when you put the penis in your mouth and then you just hum. And I was like, okay, maybe it's that. I don't know. So I came in, no expectations. I, I did not research the topic because why why ruin the surprise? I I just wanted to kind of be in the moment and learn about something new. And this was it was fascinating. We just sat and we connected and we just talked for an hour. And I kind of learned her story. And her story is pretty fascinating. You know, it's I will just say it starts with 9-11, in my opinion. If there was a movie of her life, 9-11 is the inciting incident, and then she goes on this magical journey from there. I think you're all really going to enjoy her. So let's go ahead and, and learn some stuff about somatic sexual healing with Megwin White. Really, Prasida? Prasida, that's close. Is that close? It's okay. better than the, the guy who handed me my diploma at college graduation. He said, uh, they told us to write it phonetically. I, write the, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote on the note card, pro. C, duh, and then he got Billy Prada. I was like, I don't have a, I don't have a bag, bitch. Like, give me my uh, what, dude? What is up? I want I, this is a very expensive piece of paper. I want my name right. That's horrible. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. What did you did, uh, did you have to go to school to learn about somatic sex or or am I uh, saying that right? I that's how little I, I are chose. We are we doing the podcast yeah. right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yeah, I, w I have studied uh, a lot of different uh, modalities and techniques. Mm -hmm. But honestly, my, my education has been a lot through my life experience. Mm -hmm. So um, as I... As I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was we were recording, um, but most of my childhood I experienced sexual trauma. Mm. And as many people that have experienced sexual trauma, I was in a place of hiding. I couldn't talk about it. But I had a proclivity towards acting and towards like more like the expressive arts. So in a weird way, that was like sort of my first, I would say that's almost like my first introduction to Tantra mm. was really because inside of that dimension it was so much about tapping into the rawness of your emotions and transmitting and communicating uh something that's you know more from the root and from that sexual creative energy mm. and i think that helped me to cope you know with those uh experiences and also helped 
me to see the connection, the strong connection between the physical and the emotional and that ability to transmute. You know what I mean? Because some mm-hmm. people think, oh, you can't really transform. You know, trauma is like you're, you're sort of damaged. There's this kind of judgment in our society that and especially around these types of issues. Right. Like mm-hmm. so that's part of um, the reason why people don't speak about it. We're afraid of being stigmatized and being sort of put into a particular box. But within the acting realm, like I could be, I could run wild with actually tapping into those raw emotions mm. like anger and fear and sadness and joy and, you know, getting into sort of more the grotesque realms. And so that was, I would say, like my first um, training. And I did that uh, through college. I graduated yeah. from NYU. Oh, same. And, Fellow oh, Violet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, 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 so you can understand why I was very upset that they mispronounced those. Like, it's so yeah. expensive. Well, if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> yeah. I actually never went to my graduation at NYU. You ditched it? I ditched Aww. it because we had a graduation within the theater program. Right. And I honestly never felt really that connected. <laughs> it is interesting when you were saying about how, like, you know, with trauma and, and hiding it through the arts and people don't talk about it. I think the arts is actually one of the only places I will hear people openly talk about experiencing yeah. trauma. It seems like you think about me too. Who is coming out with the story? A- actors, people mm-hmm. in entertainment, artists. Mm-hmm. I think that's the place where, cause I think there's almost this acceptance that like as artists, some, something got fucked up somewhere that we're doing what we're doing. Right. The fact that I require the attention of strangers as often as possible, right. like something's wrong with me that I need that. Right. Um, if I was well-adjusted, I'd probably be an accountant or a lawyer. But I'm yeah. like, no, everyone pay attention to the words coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And did you study art as well? Uh, I, I studied communications, but I, mm-hmm. I started doing stand-up my sophomore year. So I was like telling Dick Joe's. I was ditching. Okay. I would ditch class early to sign up for like open mics. Um, okay. So I, I was kind of in it uh, in, in that realm pretty early on. Yeah. yeah. So it's a similar kind of experience. I mean, one of my main mentors in college also had experiences similar to mine. And she was ma- she made a huge play about it and mm-hmm. just really went balls to the wall. That's the thing about trauma in the you arts. You know what I mean? Like, for, exactly. For most people, trauma is a therapy bill. For other people, it's their one-person show. You know, like, <laughs> that's just what it becomes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that did give me some... Uh, level of like openness more yeah. so than than let's say other people i was speaking about it openly you know by that time yeah. and didn't have it like you know super stuffed um but i think after graduating that's when i i i graduated the same year as september 11th oh gosh and september 11th actually was the same day as my in uh, my industry night where we were performing for agents and talent scouts. And it was like, literally, this day was the day that I had been like working up to. Um, and there were like 26 people that would get picked from, I think there's like six acting studios, you know, within NYU. So it was like right. a big deal. And I was super excited that day to, you know, perform. <sighs> and obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, obviously. Not- but you, and as traumatic as that is, you know, you know, there's some kid who is like, "This was supposed to be my night. I was gonna make it tonight." Yeah, they ruined. You couldn't do it <laughs> September twelfth. There weren't flights to Boston on September twelfth. No, it's horrible. You know, that- someone did. You know, those kids are so fucked up. It was so traumatizing <laughs> on so many different levels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we won't get into that. Sure, sure. That's like a whole. <laughs> that's honestly a whole podcast in yeah. and of itself. But let's just say that changed the trajectory of my 
path. Right. Because up until then, I was going to be an actress. And, you know, even still to this day, that's still one of my deepest passions and I think is probably the thing I'm most good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, I do work now that is focused on kind of Tantra for actors and kind of helping them to connect their sensual energy mm-hmm. and relate it um, and use that actually in service of the acting realm. Right. Um, but um, I don't know where I was going with uh, this, but I would say that's a great time to say that I'm talking right now with uh, yeah. Megwin White. Do you, do you consider yourself a sex educator? I didn't know the like the title yeah. to to intro you as. How do you identify yourself? Well, like, it you depends on which which world you know. Okay. I I am a, a sexual wellness expert. Okay. Um, but I honestly, my the thing that I I most identify as is an embodied technologist. Okay. All right. Never heard those words put together yeah. in that order. I'm fascinated. Yeah. What is an embodied technologist? Yeah. So sounds like something Andrew Yang pitches on the debate stage. Like, and we need to yeah. be thinking about, you know, switching to embodied technology. It's yeah. like, <laughs> so Warren's like, can I see your numbers? <laughs> okay. Sorry. So I guess it was kind of, it was sort of a reaction from me being in, you know, the somatic realm. Like I did a lot of body work for mm-hmm. many years and was a Pilates teacher and a yoga teacher and did a lot of more sort of applied therapy modality work with people and, I always felt that what I was most interested in was more rooted in what I was drawn to with acting, Mm. which had to do with expression and how expression actually is this untapped um, gold that actually truly unlocks the body from the inside out and from a place where you don't have to depend on a practitioner so Mm. much. And so that term came to me when I started to, after I had a kind of awakening experience um, around the voice mm. um, and really discovered that voice and resonance and emotion was able to penetrate the body from the inside out, similar to how you would think of body work, right? Mm. More from the outside in. And that led me to uh, my body of work, which a lot of it focuses on unlocking the connections between the face and the sexual center. Okay. So we have like the skull, like you can see right behind you. You can see that there's like different, there's many different bones in the skull. There's mm-hmm. different facets, but it literally, our bodies are a technology, right? And the, and the technology itself, like when you look at a dead body, right? It literally doesn't even look like the same person anymore. Yeah. And it's not just because the life force energy is out. It's that, that energy of the expression, the personality is imbued in the physical energy itself and i i like to think of myself as an embodied technologist because i work on those details on helping someone to feel how their cheekbone and the expression of their voice actually unlocks uh, a larger physic physical expression and i i didn't ha- it was hard for me to find language for that like how do i you know, because a lot of my work, I told you, I work with some with with actors, but I also work within the sexual healing mm-hmm. dimension, um, and also with singers. And so, I needed a way to express that to yeah. people. So I'm not a singing teacher. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm not an acting coach, and I'm not a body therapist. Yeah. You know, so I came up with embodied technology right. because I want people to kind of think about embodiment as a technology. It's it there there is a logic and an order to um how we're wired for expression. 
what what ties those three groups like i mean you know if you said you work with singers and actors like i you know i get and that but and, well. yeah so like the idea of yeah. like working with artists but also working with the sexual wellness so what is yeah. it that what you do ties works all with those all those yeah so it really is rooted all of it is rooted in sexual energy you know and to me sexual energy is like the roots of the tree mm. you know in order for our, the tree for if, if we think of ourselves as trees um uh, in order f- for the tree to grow fully and expand fully it has to have these strong roots mm. and roots are also in the earth it's raw it's primal and i think what oftentimes happens especially with actors and singers and with people just tr- struggling with connecting with their sexuality is they have an idea of what it's supposed to look like and how they're supposed to perform right in all of these different contexts and what's missing is that deeper connection to those primal roots um, and uh, uh, being able to uh, connect with that on mm. their own without necessarily identifying um, themselves from... I'm not able to kind of find the language for this mm. as, as well right now, but um, uh, I guess if we spoke about it more in terms of specific context, it would be a little well, bit easier. It sounds like maybe like it sounds like there is, you know, you're talking about sexual energy at the root of things. Yeah. And do you find like in the arts, there's like a sexual energy just kind of inherent? Oh, yeah. In there? Absolutely. So like if I mean, I'm, from what I heard from the experimental theater kids, it's actually the only thing that they did. But, that you know, well, yeah, the, I I don't so so much mean, a, you know, I think when we talk about sexuality and sensuality, mm-hmm. those are different but the same right right um can you repeat your question though because i want to i like mean i don't know I'm a, uh, i guess the idea of like is there you know do you find that there's like a sexual energy in just inherent in the inherent. arts i uh, absolutely i mean so much of the expressive arts for instance is rooted in breath mm. right so when someone can't breathe and they they ultimately won't be able to fully connect with their voice and also connect with their emotions and connect with their physical expression of their body so the one thing the through line of all of these things is that tantric breath Mm. it's that ability to fully inhabit and fully connect you know uh to the architecture of the experience via that channel of breath and oftentimes what's inhibiting people is this like being too pent up you know what i mean especially oh i know exactly what you mean by being pent up i am perpetually pent up (laughs) i mean we we all are you know and i think that that's why the expressive arts are so helpful it helps to bring not only the people that are performing on stage out of their shell Mm. you know but it also brings the audience we create a collective space where we can actually really inhabit those emotions and really indulge and experience um, uh, the power of those emotions. So were you always this expressive as a kid? Like, were you kind of really tapped into all this or? I think I was. I definitely was always really expressive and always had this like natural um, inclination, this like natural proclivity towards uh, orienting in this way. Mm. And, you know, I guess that's why I was sort of you know, blessed with um, that op- those opportunities to perform and to act because it was the one space where I was getting like praise and love and appreciation. And it was really the more I started tapping into this kind of tantric kind of dimension of the arts, which I didn't recognize at that time mm. was that. You didn't know that's what you were doing. I yeah, I didn't have that as like um, 
but I knew it was, there was a freedom, you know, that I would feel when I was on, I felt free. I felt like a bird. I felt like yeah. an, an animal, right? When you were on, like on stage? When I was, yeah. When I was yeah. on stage, when it was like, I was on and I could tap into the, I could feel the emotion in the room and I was like transmitting, yeah. you know, to me, that's all Tantra. And, and then I would feel when I was off and when I was off, you know, and, and this still happens sometimes. Like, you don't I'll connect get with in the audience head, or something. I don't connect with the audience. I'm like, you know, uh, just thinking too much. Um, and so for me, like we were talking about the sex expo, you mm-hmm. know, it, it really helped, you know, in starting that particular presentation with getting everybody into their voice, standing up, like really rooting everyone prior to starting that presentation. And then it was so easy. Right. There was like a flow to it. But I feel like our culture is so pent up and so image oriented, especially now, you know, with um, social media culture. Yeah. It's becoming harder and harder to really orient into those into that primal perspective mm-hmm. um, my one pilates mentor used to call it the kinetic mirror you know we we do yoga we practice dance we practice these kind of arts to be able to develop that ability to see ourselves from a physical space from the inside out as opposed to you know what oftentimes happens with dancers they're orienting towards the mirror mm-hmm. right so they're seeing themselves in the the mirror but that that image is not actually matching up with the primal right. expressive you know aspect so even when we talk about it in terms of sexuality um oftentimes i think what inhibits orgasm and intimacy in general is an inhibition of expression mm-hmm. you know it's it's not people not fully first of all being able to inhabit the cycle of breath mm-hmm. right because the more we we connect with breath the more we're actually dropping into the earth of our bodies the more vulnerable we become the more exposed you know we become but then also that's where all the gold is that's where all the like you know really potent shit is um and so helping people to understand for instance how vocalization for instance even just on on a very base level um is tied directly to that sexual center we can get into like the science of that i'll I'll definitely want to in a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. i'm very curious about like so you you recognize like when you're younger the connecting with an audience and like just like kind of energy and connection with it you didn't know what to what to call it what was your transition from 9-11 ruins acting career maybe (laughs) (laughs) Like, did anyone from your class, like, uh, go on things? I feel like that will soil a whole class. (laughs) Um, Wait, so what was the last part of what you said? I I was just saying, so what was the transition from, you know, you 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 were supposed to have industry night, you were planning to be an actor, um, you're tapped into this energy stuff, you're aware of it, don't know the language for it, and then how do you start getting into tantra learning about it knowing the language for it and practicing it well it took a long ass time i will tell you that um but really uh what what happened did you stop acting after i did i did a little bit i I have done a few different Mm. uh performances and i have done a few things but i would say that i stopped pursuing it do you know what i mean professionally um but what happened right around that time was a few things firstly 
before 9-11 happened, I started to get a little bit more sensitive to what we would call energy, to kind of like in that sort of woo-woo realm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would start to, like I would look at you and let's say I'd be like, do you have a pain in your shoulder? Like, cause I would just feel that pain in my shoulder and I could just tune into it on an energetic and you'd be like, what? I do. How the hell did you know that? So that was those kind of things started to happen um, and occur, you know, even before September 11th. I was also struggling with um, a really bad skin problem. I had like really I had some bad acne throughout college, but it got worse, you know, after September 11th. And, you know, as an actress, as someone that's like trying to like perform and, you know, so much, especially as a woman, you know, um, in this kind of world. It was just, it was so depressing. It felt like it also kind of hindered my ability, my confidence. Um, but I honestly, now I see that, and I kind of knew at the time that was also a trauma response. What I really saw was like the bubble of the acting school was sort of protecting me from a lot of that trauma that I'd never really gotten to fully process on a more personal level. Um, I mean, it's, it's so deep you know what i mean like i i think that's the one thing i have learned over the years is just like you go so deep and you don't realize it goes even deeper Mm -hmm. and so i i started to experience a lot of energetic releases right around this time so as my skin was breaking out i would um i would start to kind of feel these electrical currents through my body and i wasn't able to ground especially living in new york it was really really challenging for me sure. i was struggling with what we would kind of, kind of call like hyper anxiety at the time and then i discovered um a yoga teacher i met my yoga teacher who really changed my life mm. and he his name uh, uh was pause or he his, called his nickname was pastrami uh, sure. Why kind of, not? Kind of I feel like yoga teachers never allowed to have normal names. <laughs> um, but he studied with a Japanese master and he had taught me. That's a kind of another kind of a wild story about how we met that was tied to September yeah. 11th. That was kind of a wild. Please share that story. Yeah. Okay. So I'm interested in all stories. This is kind of where it gets September a little 11th. like weird That's and like, like mystical. <laughs> okay. So I was definitely a seeker at this time trying to figure out like how to put all this together i started to really like think about okay what is the you know what is this other side this mystical side and i started to um you know really search i was obsessed with um a song at the time by lou reed um called modern dance and i don't know why i'm sure you've had this experience where a song just keeps getting stuck in your head and you're kind of chanting how far i'll go in moana i'm serious (laughs) Couldn't be, couldn't be kidding more. I've had two nights in a row this month where I've just up late listening to 15 different covers of How Far I'll Go. Do you know there's a ska oh cover? There's also an emo cover. I didn't even know this song. Yeah. Oh, oh the, uh, do you ever see Moana? Oh, it's a childhood movie you got to see. Uh, Moana is a little Polynesian girl. She goes, saves the world. And there's a song about, just like, it's an inspirational ballad of just like how far she's going to go in life. Uh, oh, she's going to leave okay. the island. She's going to go take to the sea, even though her mm. father says, don't, don't go in the sea or date boys, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then she goes, and we don't know how far. And then wow. I would like stay up three hours listening to cover after cover on Spotify, fascinated that you could do the same song a thousand different ways wow. and get stuck in my head. And it's a way to go, Disney. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, you yeah. said Lou no. Reed, modern dance, better song than mine. So 
Yeah, and I think around the same time, I was really into Joseph Campbell, mm -hmm. you know, learning about the mythic image and just thinking about, oh, there's these symbols that show up and they're trying to guide us. So for some reason, that song was very uh, consistent in my brain. And the first line was, maybe I should live in Amsterdam on a side street near a big canal. And then I moved to 81st in Amsterdam, right next to Central Park. And I'd had this wish to um, have a dance studio. And that was actually right before September 11th. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of one random thing. Another line in the song was, um, maybe I should go to Afghanistan and learn to dance. And I was, I had gotten, I know this is kind of where it gets a little okay. strange, but um, I was really into... I came into, here for the strange. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was really into uh, Jalaluddin Rumi, the, the, the famous Sufi mystic poet. I don't know if you're familiar. I am not, but I trust you. Okay. Well, he's one of the, definitely the one of the most prolific poets, I think, of all time. And he actually never wrote anything. He would uh, go into ecstasy. He was a whirling dervish. And he would basically just spin and start to channel these beautiful poems about the connection relationship with the divine. And um, the first time I ever heard one of these poems, I was like, oh, my God, this was still while I was in acting school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want that. Like, I'd never heard anything that was actually tapping into a particular dimension that I could feel in my core that I want, want to have access to. And then I was reading a lot about the Sufis and this and that. And um, so anyway, like I said about the song, the song, maybe I should go to Afghanistan, learn to dance. Um, it was I was walking down the street one day and I think I was like chanting that song. And I saw this guy walking down the street with like a globe. It was just, you know, and I was like, I really do need to go out of this country. I'd never been out of the country. And I was like, maybe I should go to Afghanistan because that's the part of the world that Rumi's from. Mm -hmm. And and I also had felt at this time that. I don't know. I felt like I, I needed more of like a purpose, like a connection to service. And I had always wanted to do something with like my experiences of the sexual trauma of like working with people in that sort of trauma realm. And this is again was before I had mm. studied anything. And then I thought, well, I wouldn't do that unless it fell in my lap. Mm. You know, I'm definitely not going to pursue going to Afghanistan. Right. It was just I like a random never. thought. It was and a then... random thought. So then that <laughs> night, Yes, I was talking with my friend Billy, um, who was a fellow art model at the time. More, yes, more, more synchronicity. More <laughs> synchronicities. Oh, my favorite part of the artist way is synchronicities. Yeah. Do you do artist way? Yeah. Okay, we're on that another time. But yeah. Okay, love it. <laughs> but um, so uh, so anyway, I was talking to my friend Billy, and she, we were discussing some synchronicities that were occurring in our life. And she said, oh, my God, I've, I've been waiting to tell you this, but I actually may be doing something really wild, um, but I'm feeling very drawn to it. And I said, well, what is it? And she's like, I might be going to Uzbekistan to work with so this group. Close. It's so close. So close. Yeah. But she said, to work with this group called Artists Without Borders, to work with the refugees from Afghanistan. Son of a bitch. Look at that. So my <laughs> heart literally fell into my stomach as she's saying this. I was like both terrified and at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, the divine exists. This is real. Oh, my God. Fuck. Like, you know, I was freaking out. And then like in the next second, you know, I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you're telling me this. Like, 
I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think I might need to go too. I, I need to know more about this. Like, how did you find out about this? And she's like, well, you know, it's this group, Artists Without Borders. And one of the leaders is this guy. He goes by Paws or Pastrami. Uh-huh. Um, and his real name is Stephen Prestiani. And so it was like a kind of joke on his Pause name. Pause is better. Pause is better, yeah. <laughs> But, um, so she said, and he's a Sufi and he's this mystic and he, you know, was into like experimental performance art and, uh, did that in Amsterdam. And I was like, this is weird. Like, you know, so I was like, I have to meet, you know, this person. And basically she was like, well, it's going to be really hard to meet him because he doesn't have a phone. You know, he's very sattvic, super yogied out, you know, very, um, living in a cave, but like mm. in New York City. So that's the story of how I met Paz. And but what but well I I you haven't I mean there's more to not, the story. You haven't met but, him. Did, but did you actually get to meet him? I did. You I went did. into a two week search. Cave? I literally was I went on foot, you know, into the East Village because she said if you go to the East Village, everybody knows him. He's kind of like a you know, like a sage in uh-huh. the East Village. So you just have to, you know, walk into places and let them know this is who you're looking for. Someone will be able what to guide cool you. What a cool era because that's so that can't happen anymore. Now you just go- <laughs> now you just Google where where's Paws. Paws got he's got Instagram. Like you know you follow his though. story. I think I don't think he has Instagram. But like only in that time yeah. period. Like do you get to? Or, I mean, not anymore. Do you get to just <laughs> say like, yeah, you got to go on a mission. He got no phone, so you just got to go down to a place and you ask around. And you got to go find a guy, and that's yeah. like that's. That's the life I wish I could live. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) You're right. I mean, this was all pre-social media. Mm -hmm. And there was a feeling of like, I don't know, grassroots adventure. Yeah. You know, and there was a little bit more. No one um, wants adventure anymore. They want directions. Like, no, just go. You'll find it eventually. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, what did you learn while working with Paws? So the style of yoga that he taught was um, Hatha yoga, which sure. is, you know, the most um, sort of uh, simplified, I think, version of yoga, which is really about uh, uh, working with the asanas, which asana mm-hmm. also means to seat. So the, the, the main principle within this particular style of yoga is we do the asanas, we work within these geometric structured patterns of mm-hmm. holding our body in these positions, and we focus on breath and the the connection of the eyes, which is the one thing that I find in most yoga classes they never talk about are the eyes, mm-hmm. like actually holding the gaze. And there were these really specific details that uh, his teacher had taught him, very Japanese. Do okay. you know what I mean? How the Japanese, they're very like structured, very detail-oriented. And it was really through that process of doing yoga that I started to feel my body like an antenna, you know, started to see that there were um, these energy lines, which, you know, we would call meridians. And now they're also able to identify these, you know, in science. It's not such an esoteric thing. Um, There's a lot of uh, new research now where we can actually see that these actually do exist. So I, it was the experiential uh, process of going th- and of actually activating that mm-hmm. um, through the yoga and actually getting to experience my mind slowing down and um, a relationship to my heart that I had never felt um, and just a, a kind of guiding light that the body did have these answers you know that as a child going through what I went through obviously it was a very scary experience you know it was very like 
huge existential crisis way too early, you know. But I always had the intuition that I needed to stay connected to my body, um, which was a sort of different kind of response to a lot than a lot of people that go through these type of traumas. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, I did want to self-pleasure myself as a young child. I, I felt that there was value actually in that and in, in, in obviously expressive, these expressive yeah. arts. And so I became, I think from doing yoga, I became more curious to um, understand it from like different angles, you know. So that's kind of what then led me to exploring Pilates because I, and I liked Pilates because I was like, wow, this is a modality that focuses on looking at these alignment pathways and these primal expressive pathways, but more through movement okay. and then also using these feedback tools which I think has been a big influence in my work is like with Pilates, you're working with a, a resistance, but it's variable resistance, right? He worked with a lot of spring tension, um, but it was based in, it was rooted in yoga and also in him, his observations of animals and his experiences in the war. Um, so, you know, really trying to, I think, understand how this energy works, not only in a quiet sort of, like yoga is very safe in a lot of ways, right? You're, you're being quiet, you're holding these positions, but it doesn't necessarily help you in every aspect of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like in communication, you know what I mean? You can, you'll meet yogis that are also very pent up and held and, you know, but I do think that if you work on a, on a more, um, uh, fundamental level with these very simple principles, it can help you in all of these different contexts. Um, but the problem I, or the limitation that I found with yoga, at least within my own experiences, was that I had such deep, intense trauma that the energy was coming up and um, I needed something that was a bit more uh, almost uh, warrior-like okay. to to uh, move that energy. Like yoga was almost too passive in mm. a certain way. So I found that like working with Pilates helped me to kind of connect more to that uh, that primal power. And, and what's what's your relationship with sexuality? I'm assuming mm -hmm. this is your 20s, right? We're talking about yeah, these are my 20s. This is my 20s. Yeah. So so what's your relationship with sexuality at this time? As like you're really seeing, it seems like your view of or. Now, it doesn't yeah. even seem like your view's changing as much as you seem to be really harnessing the energy and being aware of all these things that are inside of you. Um, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I was that sexually integrated at this yeah. time. I didn't have like really good relationships. Um, I was very insecure. You know, I really didn't have confidence in that particular dimension. Mm. Um but I did have confidence, like I had said, in this kind of realm of observing these details, you know. Sure. So I think in a lot of ways it was just uh, helping me to guide right. me towards something. I, yeah, I ask because yeah. it seems like you have a very different relationship with sexuality yeah. now. And, and but, but everything you're describing are tools I think we all need in in having like better relationships, better mm -hmm. sexual experiences um just connecting with people and being aware of energy mm -hmm. i think a lot of dudes like the you know uh, i think a lot when when i hear friends complain about dudes in bed not like giving a shit or not picking up on certain cues in bed mm -hmm. when they're not vocalizing like directions mm -hmm. like oh i think it's because he's not paying attention to the energy i was like and i try to tell dudes it's like 
not that I'm an expert, but I just say like, just pay attention a mm-hmm. little bit, like try to send some of the energy, try to connect. Right. And if you're connected, you might start getting some hints and clues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like th- these are all things you're like, you know, tapping into um, yeah. hardcore in, in this time. How, how do you go from yoga and Pilates to Tantra and, and tell me if I'm using yeah. the wrong terms. Do you, do you call it somatic sex or is it somatic sexual? Well, I forgot the phrase the that was on your website. The term that you, that you, um, uh, is sonic sex. Sonic. You, uh, sorry. That you, uh, and that's, I would say, one aspect of like what I've explored and what I've sort of tapped into with yeah. my work. I wouldn't say right now it's something that I would like to explore more mm-hmm. now with my partner, um, Richard, um, and, you know, helping to, to share it with people. But that was sort of an accidental discovery. Um, How so? Well, the first was really, you know, kind of skipping forward, you know, from like we're talking about like going from yoga, Pilates, and then into more like the somatic healing realm where I was doing a lot of sort of more applied body work. I did that for many years. Can you just define the word somatic? Because I actually. Yeah. yeah. So somatic um, really has to do with. Uh, relating to the body and how the emotions and uh, are specifically wired into the body. So we use sometimes that word and we're talking a lot more about, you know, certain psychological issues. We can't just relate to it in terms of how we f- we experience it in, on a cognitive level. Mm. Oftentimes we really need to look at how what's the body actually saying, yeah. right? And so this somatic exploration is kind of, uh, really looking at that, you know, looking at how these types of things manifest in the body and how we can support people th- uh, in helping them to kind of release whatever that baggage is and to feel more relaxed, to feel more at home, you know, ultimately in the body. And I even think actually when I say feeling at home, I think is sort of like maybe the, the guiding light sort of for my own experience with all of this. Cause mm. once you have experience of sexual trauma, it's like someone steals something from you. What they steal from you is that sort of sense of home, right? That anchor in my body is safe. Right. Um, especially as you start going through a lot of the trauma responses that really happen oftentimes later in life. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but we we're talking about sonic sex. So, just kind of skipping forward, you know, after doing a lot of these different forms of somatic therapy, and also I did kundalini yoga, a lot of different things, really just anything to also help me to deal with a lot of the energetic trauma responses. Is, that is it because you're, the things that you're doing and trying, they, they weren't giving you what you needed? Or was it more of a curiosity? Like why so many different practices? Yeah, yeah nothing was really... Th- giving me exactly what I wanted. And I knew I had an intuition that it eventually would come from myself, but I didn't know when that would happen. You know, I think a huge pivotal shift when I really started really awakening to what we would call the tantric dimension Mm. really had to do when I got um, uh, initiated or learned uh, this meditation that's a Taoist practice called Kunlun. And it's a very simple practice, and it's basically working, activating the polarity energy or what we would call the toroidal field in the body. And it really is rooted in tantric principles. Um, and really, after I had that experience, uh, which happened over two days, all of a sudden, I started feeling energy in my body, but in a different way, in a more grounded way, which was which had been different than what I ex- had experienced, um, you know, in these years prior it was sort of very, uh, you know, 
wild and a little bit chaotic. But then sometimes there would be a bit of peace. But really, once I started getting introduced to this Taoist, uh, these Taoist practices, it gave me another tool. And then um, I did that for a couple of years. But then I also felt sort of trapped by the work that I was doing. I was doing a form of body work called body logic, which is an incredible um, for, uh, body of work uh, developed by a woman named Yamana Zake. And it was a wonderful body of work, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't the end all be all for me. I knew there was something more, but I didn't know where to find it. Hmm. And that was really when I started putting that intention to, like, I was an actress. It started off with, you know, really wanting to be a lot of this journey really started off with me wanting to be a better actress, to be more tapped into that emotional realm, but feel grounded mm. and feel self-confident from a core place. Because like, the as much as I did with acting, as much success as I got with it, I never felt really good about myself. Sure. And I know a lot of actors, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you go through that, yeah. but not that you're supposed to feel amazing and always good, but you know what I mean? Just feeling um, that feeling of self-love and connection. Yeah. So, you know, basically I had an awakening experience um, on a journey with someone and there were, I will admit to there being certain medicines that I had taken at that time. Certain medicines? (laughs) Does it it rhyme with ayahuasca? Is that, I don't know. No, (laughs) that's actually a medicine that, um, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. I mean, I was, yeah, Yeah. I was being... (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, it does not rhyme with ayahuasca. Okay. It was this, it was a journey that I took with. I'll tell you, it was LSD. It was my okay. first time ever taking LSD, and I was terrified, you know. And uh, but we we had this journey. I, I was guided by a friend, guided by a friend, and we put a lot of intention into it. And the intention that we set was. For me, I want to own my body. Mm-hmm. I really want to feel like this was my home, my body. And um, and I would say that that was the experience that I had in that particular journey. Um, I literally went through a whole developmental experience. I felt myself as a child, as a f- two-year-old, as a four-year-old. I literally went through all of these different stages. And then I... I was actually at the age of when I was experiencing that sexual trauma and the friend that was guiding me pushed me to like claim my voice to really use my voice because that's what happens when we go through these kind of experiences of trauma, right? We go into fight, flight or freeze response. And um, so he was kind of getting me out of that freeze response and I started then using my voice. I would, I started just intuitively saying, my legs, my arms, my belly, my skeleton, my, and it was really when I said my nervous system, and I was, you know, obviously doing it with a much more expression at that time. Um, when I said my nervous system, then all of a sudden this energy opened up in my body and I felt it come from like my sexual center. It was like this light, you know, and it came up into my throat and then my head went back and all of a sudden this primal sort of sound came out like a growling sound and my tongue came out and i started feeling how this vibration was penetrating my skull from the inside out and Mm. opening up my whole body and i was and my teacher had always taught us how you know when you unlock the skull you unlock everything because it's at the top of the architecture Mm. so i'm in this experience and i'm feeling how i'm literally almost 
feeling how my voice is a, a like a cock, you know, mm. in a way, right? Penetrating the yoni of my body and uh, uh, feeling all of this kind of sexual energy, you know, coming out at this time and super healing, super blissful, um, super just uh, a feeling of like also kind of seeing my entire life sort of flash before my eyes also in that moment of understanding. I'm like, oh, now I understand in a way like why I had that experience of sexual trauma and then went through so many years of needing to understand the body from all of these different perspectives to being able to have the awareness that I could do this because even as an actress, if this experience had happened, I wouldn't have had those details. Because right? you hadn't done the plies, you hadn't done this, you hadn't done the Kundalini, you hadn't done all. You so, didn't yeah. have the like foundation of anatomy and of really understanding the architecture of the body in particular um, to be able to tap in, to use that key, you know, to turn that key, if you will. And uh, so that was my first really experience um, with, you know, that. Um, uh, What's that? That's uh, that's the Himalayas. Himalayan. Just pinched some. I was like, I don't know what the. It's like is that LSD? I don't really know what it looks that's like. So. Himalayan salt crystal. <laughs> okay. Which is um, actually you can take some. Take what, a pinch. It, what does it do? Was uh, like- well, Himalayan salt crystal is a fossilized salt, so it's one of like the ancient salts on the planet. It's very good for grounding. It also tastes good for popcorn. It tastes no, great. <laughs> it's really good. No, it's really sorry. good. It tastes great for popcorn, but um, uh, it's very, very grounding. It's very, very earthing. Um, oh, I like it. Yeah. It yeah. So, uh, and, you know, again, we could kind of talk a lot about that. That's one of my favorite tools ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, should we talk about it? Well, dude, yeah, well, I want to learn about it. I want to learn, I guess, basically, I want to learn about what I missed at your workshop that I couldn't attend because okay. uh, at the Broken Sex Expo, yeah. um, which is, which is how well, I first... Well, I think sound is yeah. a really wonderful place to begin with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I had that experience, you know, with this kind of awakening, I knew in that moment that this was real. I was like, right. oh, my God, I got to, like, ex- really explore this. So I went for about a year after that. I just focused my own journey on exploring how I could work with this particular sound, which is actually a, a singing technique called the vocal fry, yeah. where you stretch and relax the vocal cords. So it's working with almost like a similar somatic exploration of stretching and relaxing these vocal cords, but then also um, expanding it into the whole of the body. And as I started doing that and also connecting I started introducing that work to some of my clients, you know, how, guiding them into using those sounds as as I was working on their bodies. And I started to get incredible responses. Mm. People started to release emotions. They started to share their stories. They started to tell me I had, you know, worked on people that had experiences of sexual trauma saying this is the first time they've ever felt safe in their body. Are they also having the same and, experience where something's coming from like a sexual core? Like. Um, I then, had had is... some people had more of like, let's say, energetic uh, kundalini kind of awakening okay. experiences. That wasn't everyone, but there were a few people that did have those type of experiences um, and people that you wouldn't have thought, you know, had no necessarily that wasn't their background, let's say. Um, so there there definitely was that. Um, but, you know, it's just like anything. It's not like you'll get the same response 
working on every single person. Everybody's so unique and different mm. and kind of at a different place in their journey. But even in the context of the sexual, you know, this woman that I had mentioned that she had been traumatized sexually and that she said, this is the first time I felt at home in my body. Mm. I was able to see directly that there was this connection when she said that I know that what we were doing was actually helping her to reclaim, right, those parts that had been disconnected. Um, so I would say that the through line was sexuality, even if it wasn't what we think not, of not, as orgasm not sexy sexual yeah but like, i mean that's still part of yeah the, the ownership is still part of sexuality like, yeah orgasm is also you know aliveness you know on on a very um uh fundamental level it's like awakening that feeling of aliveness and also that feeling of being rooted at your core to me mm-hmm. um so you know, and again, so much of what I was doing was also very re- connected to architecture and alignment. So I was also really trying to map into the connections between how the skull specifically connects to the pelvic structure. So that's what I was like how orienting to. How does the to. skull connect to the pelvic structure? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, in a lot of different ways. You say a lot of things like so matter of factly. I'm like. I when, know. When do I want? When do I want to sound dumb? Okay, here's my here's my spot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so for instance, the jaw, this is a simple one. Sure. When people have oftentimes really tight jaws, mm-hmm. oftentimes that's a sign of that there's a tension in the pelvic area, um, in the hips, oftentimes specifically, um, tension in the cheekbones, it's tied to the rib cage and also, is there a um, reason for that? It has to do with just the balance of the architecture it's like tenseg what we would call tensegrity okay so it's like you think about it in terms of ge- geometry right if the top of the architecture is compressed and tight that's going to bear more weight and tension down uh-huh. into the lower part of the body but it all ends up manifesting <clears throat> into the skull you know my teacher would be able to also see things in the face and be and i can do this more so now as well um like for instance i can look at your face and i can see that there's some tension you know on this right side and like the sphenoid area which could also be tied into i don't know if if your knee has any tension at all on this side or i crack them every morning okay yeah so nice little push in (laughs) i gotta crack here i've also learned how to like push my thighs in so i can get a crack along here i just like making things crack yeah so Uh. so i do similar kind of thing but imagine we could unlock your head so think of that have you ever seen the toroidal field think of an apple core okay okay so if you ever look at the electromagnetic field of the earth have you ever seen right it's almost like this apple core kind of energy yeah so this is like the quantum level of tantra it's the opposites it's the two poles Mm -hmm. we each one of us is an earth right and there's two poles to this earth so the lower pole is the sexual pole right the upper pole is the expressive pole of the voice and the face and the throat right and when these two poles are in balance you can unlock that orgasmic frequency that field of like oh my god this unlimited right potential and what oftentimes keeps us from that is let's say you know sometimes people say oh i'm locked in my throat chakra and that means i'm locked also in my sexual chakra it's maybe there's it's a more of an abstract thing but i was looking at it very much on a structural level so you're with sense. a client like let's say i'm the client you you detect the you know what you just pointed out like mm-hmm. what does that work look like to unlock yes yeah. 
Well, that kind of like takes us like fast forward to the work oh, that I eventually ended up. Uh, no, 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 not at all. It's fine. It's fascinating. Um, like I, I was thinking. I, know, before, I feel like we're jumping around a lot. No, I hope well, it's not too confusing. I, I don't find okay. it confusing. What I find fascinating is that, um, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, where you were trying so many different things, it seems like you're popping around these different things, right. finding stuff. It's like this adventure where you don't have the map and you don't have Google. It's like when you had to go yeah. find paws in the East Village. Right. It's like someone said, hey, go this neighborhood and pop around and eventually you'll find someone who can un- you know, unlock it. For So it seems like that's been almost your journey as well in getting to yeah. what you do practice now. And mm-hmm. I, so I'm fascinated by that journey. Yeah, so I'm, so, I'm not confused. No, I'm just no, like, no, oh, wow, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, <laughs> So that has been my experience. Um, so after I had this experience of awakening with the voice, and as I mentioned, I went through a whole year of really exploring these vocal techniques and tools, got also introduced to some very high-level singers. I met this one woman that sang at the Met, and I started working with her, and she was giving me more and more confirmation that, you know, yes, what you're doing makes sense, and this has really been helping me. And so I was getting a lot of encouragement from sort of different angles, met also a trauma therapist that had then told me, you know, what you're doing is actually unlocking the vagus nerve. And I said, what's the vagus nerve? I never heard of that. And so this is kind of right. I have heard of that one, though. Yeah. So- yeah, finally one I did know. Ah! <laughs> so she explained to me that the vagus nerve is this neurological plexus, which bridges the brain, you know, to the visceral organs, the heart, the lungs, the digestive system. And it's also tied to the sexual center. Right. And she's like, yeah. And, you know, it's also connected to the voice and ties into the tongue. Um, and also, I, mean, I don't know if she went into all this detail, but I then explored more and started to see how it actually innervated in the body. But really realized that this definitely was what it was that I was starting to tap into. The vagus nerve is also, of course, part of the regulatory, part of the nervous system. So it's what helps us to downregulate, to get out of that fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm. So sometimes, let's say you're in that freeze response, right? Where you're like, you hear about when women or whoever is being raped, right? They just go numb. They don't have any expression. That's literally the nervous system shutting down because it can't, uh, it doesn't see a way out and it goes into uh, a locking of expression. But obviously sometimes that locking of expression can be arrested in the body. We can't get out of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so what, what would you, what do you do like in a session to unlock oh, these things? And yeah, like okay. I said, you, you go like, I'm sensing tension here that might be tied to your knee. So mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do. Like I go in for, you know, a body work session. I know I'm going to get a lot of like, we're going to be stretching this and we're going to yeah. do that. So yeah. What, what does, I guess, a session will you look like? Yeah. So it's very like, uh, it sounds like more like, what does it sound like? Um, yeah. well, there's, there's different facets to my work now. So. Mm-hmm. Let's just say after that first year of going into the vocal journey, I then started to get uh, guided around how to work from the outside in, also on a more physical, um, the level of touch. And so that's when I started to work with different feedback tools that specifically connect to the skin, to the pa- the neural pathways through the skin, which is also another way of hooking into the nervous system, right? Um, like things like the dry brush, the Himalayan salt crystal, um, different tools that basically helped me to 
uh, expand the breath because the breath is actually adds also you're loving the, the salt. I do like the salt. I know it's I do great. Like the well, salt. The so the salt is actually. I love the. I yeah. like this shit on woo woo for fun, but like yeah. that actually did feel like. No, I, there's when I ha- yeah. I've had it now twice, and like, we're going into a very intense conversation too. So the salt kind of helps us to integrate. It's a I get pro- like a wave to process, and it's like yeah, yeah. yeah so. So I, I mean, this is where it's a little bit mystical, to be quite honest with so you. LSD in that? No, okay. I just started to get these intuitions yeah. of working with these different tools. Um, and then I started to see how they were working. And it was all, it was mapping out on a scientific level. And I was trying to record all of this information. And then I started working with clients. A lot of it, my work now has a lot to do with using these feedback tools especially on the level of the skull is usually the intro Mm. to my work so oftentimes for for the first you know month and a half i'm working just on the head and we're always going to be orienting um from unlocking those connections that are in the skull to actually allow the whole body to release Mm. so i mean i could show you some stuff like it's kind of hard to like explain some of this stuff because it does sound a little bit like out there but i like to give you more the experience right to i'm open yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so i've actually clipped out this portion uh where megwin white practices some of her sonic sexual healing on me and you can hear that in real time tomorrow as a bonus episode on patreon uh, we have almost 200 bonus episodes available, and Megwins will be one of them. Uh, so to gain access, uh, become a member at the $5 or higher tier at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. Uh, you can't. You can't search it through the app. I know it's weird, but because I'm adult content, you have to actually go to the URL. So uh, all my $5 and up members, you'll enjoy that tomorrow. But now let's kind of lean back in and conclude with Megwin White. Yeah. What was yeah. your experience? Because I don't want to like. Very, I felt very. Um, and, and then I, I do. I know you got to get going. So I do want yeah, I'll wrap know, up after this. Yeah. But um, I felt very grounded. Also, t- touch is a big thing for me. So I was. I felt like the water, one, helped me shut the fuck up. Because uh, I can't talk. Which. <laughs> Some people wish I would just do that for a whole podcast episodes. Uh, Billy, introduce the guest, put water in your mouth, and then swallow at the end, and then ask for Twitter handles. <laughs> um, but no, I was really tapped. Like when you were um, putting the salt into my head, like I'm just, I felt very present all of all of it. And so then when you backed off and let me swallow, then like it just, like the release, like you used the word release, and to me, like yeah, like it felt like um, there's almost like a slight bit of pressure applied, so that then it could be unapplied in a way, I guess. So for me, the release was like the touch and like oh it just i don't know like there's it's, it felt very calming for yeah. me and there's a and i think that's a big thing in sexuality that we don't talk about is the uh, or we don't think about as often is the being present mm-hmm. the being calm the i guess owning the body yeah um and so yeah like so like mm-hmm. even just that little bit that we did was like a relaxing experience mm-hmm. so like i could imagine what a, a whole session of that yeah could be like and how nice that would feel yeah. yeah, it's um, you know, unlocking the the peripheral nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, and that is basically obviously woven throughout the entire body. And how that affects sexuality is that the more we have these pathways, these currents of energy open, we can keep going deeper and deeper into the potency of orgasm, the healing side mm-hmm. of orgasm. And 
that I think is just endless. I mean, still to this day, you know, we're still kind of tapping and diving deeper and deeper into it. And sometimes it's, you know, it does require a lot of self-care, you know, and self-connection. And I think um, the through line of my own journey has been a lot about self-care. Like, you know, the deeper you go, the more you also you have to really be able to connect intimately with yourself and be able to find these moments to be calm, to work from a more neutral space so that you're not in a reactive mode, mm. that you're more relating with what actually is as opposed to what you think it is. Being in the moment and present rather than going like, well, we're making out and now I got a feeler tit. Okay, now I have to squeeze his cock. Now we're going to take, okay, I'm going to go down him. Then he's going to go down me. Oh, he's not. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, we're not there yet. It's 2019, I thought. Okay, and now we're going to, now he's going to fuck me a missionary. Then I'm going to get on top. Then we're going to do doggy. And like you, you're, you're reacting to each thing instead of just being like, oh, what do I want in this moment? What am I feeling? What is feeling good? What's not feeling good? How could, uh, being present. Yeah. Um, instead of reactive, I think so, so crucial. Absolutely. And I think that as people, you know, depending on where people are at with their intimacy, I think especially, I'm especially, um, into working with couples and like people that are like, you know, wanting to sustain that energy and also grow deeper with each other. It's, it's like, um, and they're finding sometimes it's challenging because maybe they get stuck in a particular mode. They feel they can't tap into that desire. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing their partner as a desirable yeah. um, person anymore. And how do we bring more of that subtle level of intimacy into like, even I feel it with you, like you're a very good listener. I, I find like the way you're, I know I'm like putting you on the spot, but I'm like, Thank you. no, it's nice. It's like, we forget sometimes that, that just being able to listen and hold eye contact is a very sensual experience and it's a gift. And sometimes working with couples, getting to introduce them to more subtle dimensions of intimacy really unlocks their perspective. It unlocks a whole new paradigm shift for their whole life. You know what I mean? Because then your partner isn't just this person that's sort of like getting you off as, as much as that person is like your, um, uh, your partner in a journey mm-hmm. that only gets better, you know, as you age and as you actually, uh, um, can connect more, you know, with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Megwin, this was, this was fantastic. This, oh, what I love about this is I, I came in having, no expectation, not knowing what in the world I was going to get into. Yeah. And uh, and I got to learn this uh, wonderful, magical journey of yours of going yeah. into your own East Village in a way and, and, <laughs> and finding your pause, which uh, seems to be your, your work and your practice. Um, where can people find you find about more of your work? Where can they follow you? Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to my website at hapticbody.com. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Megwin, M-E-G-W-Y-N. And uh, those is are probably it just the best. just at, at Megwin? Yeah. Wow, look at you getting a handle of just your, your first name. <laughs> I can't get at Billy. You can't get at Richard. No, nah, but you... Look at that. I was lucky. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this was fantastic. And uh, I hope people will go check it out, uh, especially my more woo-woo listeners you know yeah. if any of you have some himalayan salt in your bedroom right now definitely clearly recommend putting a pinch you, 
take a pinch in your mouth. Right, but if you've already got it, then like clearly they need to be learning more about you because they're all they've already got the salt. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so um, thank you so much, and why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Aw, well goodbye everyone. It's been a pleasure, and just yeah, this this whole experience with you has been a real pleasure and a treasure. And I really am excited that you also got me out of my own shell and sharing some of these things that I don't often share. And just to, you know, really open your hearts to the mystery of intimacy and to also the potential that whatever you're struggling with, um, whatever it is, that there's probably some gold and there's some treasure you know, there to to discover. And I love that you're creating a space for people to to really explore that. I mean, I'm just a comedian with a fuck show, but I appreciate the Yeah, the but kind comedy, <laughs> you know what? Comedy is one of the best ways to really unlock we talk about that toroidal field, mm-hmm. right? When we laugh, when we cry, we're releasing, we're highing, right? We're expanding into just that mystery. We're not holding so tight. So I think you know, comedy, and I, I love doing comedy as well. Um, but I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. I think you, uh, you're doing wonderful things. It uh, seems to be oh, doing you. good things for people. Thank you. So, yeah. All right. Well, cool. let's say goodbye one more time, everybody. Good. Oh, you're going to sing it? <laughs> oh, I can't sing, but I think you, I guess. Can you sing us out? No one's ever sung out the show before. Um, what, to, what should I sing? I guess uh, goodbye in whatever key you like. Okay. Just I liked what you were going with it. before, and then I was like, oh, wow, yeah, no one's sung before. Mm, I'll just start with just a little hum. Mm, mm. Mm. Goodbye. You're on a journey to the skies. Goodbye. <laughs> With all of this woo-woo stuff, it's like, do I believe in the woo-woo part? Do I believe in the chakra shit? No. But if it makes you feel better, if it does heal you, if it relaxes you, then fucking do it. Like you do you, boo-boo. Whatever works. I enjoyed it. I would do it again. I would do that for an hour. See what that's like. And you could too. Okay, so again, go check her out. Haptickbody.com. I got a link in the show notes for you. Let us know what you thought about this episode. This is definitely kind of a little bit different than what we, our usual discussions, right? I don't think we talked about butt stuff once. Twitter, I'm at TheBillyPresida. You can make a comment on my Instagram. Billy is Presida. Or you can join in on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page. Uh, every week there is a little discussion thread over there. I hope that you did learn something about like kind of connecting and just uh, just being more purposeful. I think that's something I've always been trying to say on the show is be more purposeful with your sexuality. And if that purpose is I just want to be a three-hole slut at this party, then go, girl, go be a three-hole slut at that party. But if you're like me and you're like, I just, I kind of want to have sex with people I know want to have sex with me, then, you know, you do that too. Whatever, whatever works for you. Uh, Don't forget, you can get your name on my body. Oh, I am so excited for this. So do not hesitate. This is the time to do it, folks. This is the time to try out being a member. If not, at least to get your name on my hot body. 
Go to patreon.com slash podcast. Become a member today. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. If you want to share your thoughts more privately, you can also do that uh, via email. I love getting your comments, your questions, your criticisms sometimes. And the occasional titty picture over at manwhorepod at gmail.com. That's where you can reach me. I do read them all myself. Next week, oh gosh, this is a little sad. Next week is our final installation of Sex in the Quad with Sophia the Intern. Isn't that a little sad? Yeah. But she's also going to have her very own free bonus episode available exclusively on Patreon coming out on Tuesday. So if you want to hear Sophia and I kind of debrief the semester, uh, go check that out over at my post. It will be free. I'll be posting it on, uh, on the social media. All right, everybody. I'm blabbering now in this outro. I'm going to, it'd be helpful if I was like Mark Marin. I like played guitar at least in the background, but I, I don't not have, I do not have musical talents. Um, everybody stay slutty.